the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. for joining us. Welcome to another episode of The Boys of Tech. This is episode 336 for the week commencing Monday the 15th of June 2015. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm here in Wellington and across the other side of the city I'm joined over a Skype connection by my co-host who I welcome to the show, Ben Sonko. Hi Ed. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's Monday though. Garfield never liked Mondays. Are you calling me a cat? <laughs> and a fat one at that too, right? Yeah, cheers. I mean, yeah, I do I, like lasagna, but I mean... Oh yeah, on. see? I'm, I'm not ginger. No, no, that is true. You're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awkward. Uh, let's go straight into the show then. <laughs> um, look, I, I did want to pick on a couple of stories for, on, from WWDC, which we'll uh, cover a little bit later on. But first up, some wouldn't have picked this, or in fact some have picked this as an unlikely combination. Oculus have, in a way, teamed up with Microsoft. The Oculus Rift will now ship with a Xbox One controller. Become It's bundled in, it's it's free. Well, it's not free, is it, Ben? Because it's all bundled in the price, yeah, right? Nothing, nothing's free. Nothing's free, exactly. But, you know, it, it's it comes with it. And it has the ability to stream Xbox One games directly from the console. Hmm. Would you have picked this because I didn't really pick them as a Microsoft, uh, you know, partner or, or a, a partnership that would eventuate Microsoft Oculus? Um, no, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's it must be a pretty hard market to get into. Um, there's a lot of a lot of research and development because it's uh, you know, the market doesn't really exist yet, so you have to essentially create it. And I think we've talked about this. Like right now, that doesn't it's sort of a novelty. Um, so yeah, you really exactly. you yeah. really need someone to buy in at like the operating system level to really, and that has the coverage of something like a Xbox One to really create the ecosystem that doesn't exist yet. Now you're exactly right. We did talk about this off, you know. Outside of the show, we, we were saying how at the moment it, it really seems to be nothing more than just a fad, just a, a phase, a little bit like 3D TV, and I, I guess to a lesser extent 3D movies, but it, you know, it's still valid. Uh, you know, could the X, this bundling of the you know, Xbox controller and the integration with Xbox, could this take it out of you know, fad status and into somewhat mainstream? If it works. That's the thing. Does it, if does it work? If it works well, then yes. If it works bad, then it could potentially kill it as well. Or if there's enough people that see the idea and and come up with their own solutions, then that will keep it going. But if it's really, really bad, then yeah. I think it's one of those things that we we really can't predict until it uh, you know. Happens. I mean, like Google Glass was a classic example. 
you know, uh, people were picking that that was going to be the next big thing. Has it ever become the next big thing? Well, I mean, look, see- at, look at iPads. I mean, when the iPads came out, everyone was saying, what's the point? It's, uh, I was it, one of them too. It's I, sl- I was- so was I. It's a slow laptop and it's a big phone. It's like, what is it? It's weird. <laughs> but people were like, I need a slow laptop, big phone on my couch when I'm watching TV. So, and they use it for exactly what it is. And for those people, it's absolutely ideal. So, you know, it's we can't decide. It really, yeah. if it hurts, it's going to hurt. And um, yeah, and I mean, but I, I still think if it's good, if it works and it's good, then people will start using it and more, you know, there'll be more things available for it. So the big question on my mind is Samsung have a, a Oculus Rift thingamajiggy uh which i think you're well aware of aren't you ben i actually used it the other day oh did you yeah yeah i had a i had a play with it yeah what are you a convert uh you are aren't you no 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 (laughs) it's it's better than i thought um but the use cases that i was given are not ones that i that are that work for me Um, so what did you did you just watch like a 3d movie clip or something yeah, and played a little game and a little demo, and there's a, there's a couple of things. You look at them, you go, like, "This is quite cool," um, but you know, chuck it on. This is quite cool. Then you put it away. Um, and as far as actually watching things on it, I didn't I didn't enjoy the watching experience. Um, I mean, I've got a pretty good TV, which is my monitor, and that's why I watch everything through. So the goggles don't feel like they've got the resolution that my TV has. So. Um, I guess that's part of the problem is that, you know, these things are coming out in a 4K world and um, 1080 looks amazing. 4K, I mean, that's ridiculous. How do you, you know, you get a lot of processing power to present that much resolution um, to make these glass, uh, to make these goggles really work. Uh, but if you can do it, then it's going to be awesome. So as I say, my question, I, th- I wonder whether will – Samsung try and go it alone or will they partner with say Sony with the PlayStation and have it integrated with that because there's definitely uh, if there's a partnership to be made with Xbox surely there's a an opportunity for a partnership to be made with Sony PlayStation I mean does that then become an Android partnership as well like um does does that would Sony want that I don't know it's interesting it's an well, interesting idea Mm. Um, I mean, they're two very different products, but yeah, I mean, there are, there's definite similarities between them. The Samsung, in fact, I w- I'm surprised that Samsung haven't done the deal first because well, isn't the Samsung one meant to be more of a consumer product, whereas the Oculus Rift was more geared towards developers and tinkerers? I mean, uh, this actually looks more like this is a um, this is a a controller more than anything else. So they're becoming, or a monitor almost, like they're they're providing the tool for someone to use. Whereas the Samsung is essentially, you know, it runs on your phone, and they make the hardware and they make the you know the actual computer that runs it, and they're making the software on top. They've got the full stack themselves. Whereas Oculus, really, they're the top of the stack. They don't have the bit underneath them, and they need people underneath them to make it work um so it makes for me it makes more sense that oculus would partner with someone like this who who can make the software and give them the ecosystem and give them the user base and um and just yeah just allow them to be what they are which is essentially the 
they're the end of the the chain. They're the display. They're the the high end monitor. Okay, I see what you mean. So so the Samsung essentially don't need to partner with anyone, whereas the Oculus Rift does need that. It, it, otherwise, it's it's kind of a. A, a solution looking for a problem. Sort of, yeah. I mean, Samsung, you could certainly argue that Samsung would want to partner with, them, partner with say, Sony to get the game game developer base because that's one thing they don't have. They don't have any sort of presence in that. So they've got the full hardware stack and they've got the operating system level essentially with Android, but they don't, and they've got some games, but very different. So you, you could see the partnership at that level, but I just don't know that either of those companies would benefit in the same way. Like one of them would potentially, yeah, I don't know. Like Samsung would probably do better out of it. I'd like to try, I've tried the Oculus Rift. I haven't tried the Samsung one, but I, I would like to try that and see uh, see what that's like. What Oculus Rift did you try? The the original at very, very low res. Same, yeah. yeah. Which was cool, but it was very, it would be ancient compared to what this this will be. Yeah, well, it was definitely a step backwards in terms of the graphics because it, it felt like I was. In fact, the sort of resolution I was getting was similar to those arcade games you used to get in the eighties. Yeah, and that's where the Samsung that I tried was completely different. Like the experience was, was yeah, the the modern version of that. So I was quite impressed as far as the difference between the two. But I'm very aware that the Oculus that I used was, yeah, it'd be at least a couple of years old now. I'd love to try it. Okay, well, look, let's move on. How about a computer algorithm that can tell whether a painting that you paint, that's what you do with paintings, isn't it? You, you paint them. Uh, I'll start that up again. How about a computer algorithm that can tell whether a painting you made is good or not? But it can't. Why not? It can't tell you that. It can tell you if it was influenced by um, a classic piece or or what sort of influences it has and whether it can compare to other things, but it can't tell you if it's good or bad. Well, that is in the eye of the beholder, you're right. But as as you say, it uh, some researchers have loaded, what is it, 62,000 images from, you know, known, you know, from a database of artworks. And... As you say, they've developed this uh, algorithm that can detect, or at least try to detect, whether it can spot some influences from, you know, some of the greats. What I was getting at was, surely, if your artwork was influenced by some of the greats, then perhaps it's a it's a good piece. No, I don't know. Maybe well, it's a bit, that's too simplistic. I think it? that's too simplistic. And wouldn't you also argue that the the best pieces would be the most original and not derived from something else, and therefore they wouldn't meet the criteria of this, but would potentially be like this will find good art that is sort of bulk standard i think you know that that everyone's sort of seen but this would fail miserably at the piece that shocks that is comes out of left field or something completely different that really just you know captures people this or, someone, will, or someone defining their own style that, yeah that this will think this is yeah. that was this will think that's rubbish until although, it has although, the future we, to look back and see what it influences or, um, or, but what what you could do though, surely, is you could specifically look for. You could query the the algorithm. I would have thought. I haven't read enough detail to find out whether you can do this, but I'm sure you can. Uh, to query the algorithm to find to, to specifically find pieces of you know artworks that that really don't seem to have any influences, and you, you'll probably get a lot of rubbish in there. 
but you you know you might get a lot of uh, you know a lot of good stuff if you you know. But I mean, influence is more than just painting something that looks like it as well. I mean, how do you measure whether something had an influence on you or not? I mean, when- uh, well, you see, that's the, the yeah. Well, that's the the key to the re- you know the research in this and and, and detecting and uh, creating the algorithm that you know exactly how you know the principles are used. Uh, you know, I I, I don't know. Because I watch a lot of well, I watch a lot of music documentaries, and they talk to people. And every musician will talk about their influences, people that inspired them. And I mean, more often than not, the music that they play is completely different to what influenced them. Like they got inspiration, but not necessarily to copy. They got inspiration to do their own thing. And I'm, I mean, I would assume art is the same. You, you, you know. Proper art is is not necessarily coming from somewhere else, or um, you know, proper inspiration is seeing what inspired that person and using that to do what you want to do, as opposed to just copying. It's a, I mean, it's a what they've done is cool, but it's um, yeah, it's well. The reason I've brought the story up is because it it reminds me of a, an article we discussed quite a number of episodes ago. Where some researchers in was it the Netherlands maybe, or Austria or somewhere in Europe, um, they produced an algorithm that could predict. When I say predict, I mean you know it's not it's not that accurate, but it would attempt it would hazard a guess as to whether a song is going to make it or break it basically. So you upload a song and it's it's got an it's. They built an algorithm to, you know, it looks for certain indicators like the beat, the energy, the complexity, etc., etc., and tries to come out with an answer as to how big a hit that song is going to be. Has it been tested um, with like with songs after it was created? Yeah. So what they did is they preloaded. They used a whole database of uh, you know of music to help create this algorithm. And yeah, there's. Look, I, I had the risk of sort of repeating the episode we did a while ago. I, I, they fed through some, you know, some known greats, and some of them, they, it, it, most, a lot of them no, as well, but not all of them. Were they greats? Were they greats from before the algorithm was written, or are they greats from after the algorithm was written? Because anything that existed before the algorithm was written is not a valid test because that's. That's already in the data set. So the only test is stuff that's come six months, a year after it was written. Yeah, but they didn't necessarily Seeing if use, they worked. They didn't necessarily use it, the, the every song, you know, in the database to make the algorithm, but they ran it through a whole bunch of them. Uh, yeah, but they're part of the data set. They're part of the they're part of the information that's used to to produce the information on whether or not something's good. So if it ever existed, if it existed before, it's not a valid test. It's not a valid test of it picking anything, really. Um, because well, I'm, that, I'm sure there's been songs that they've put. I mean, this is what probably a couple of years now. There's probably some songs that have been, um, well, there will have been some songs. <laughs> lots of songs have been released since, and I'm sure some of them have been put through this algorithm. You can upload your own as well. But anyway, that aside, this kind of reminded me of that, and I thought, oh, you know, I love these little things. I like these little uh, kind of AI algorithms. To uh, there's another one too that I, in fact, I I did uh, I. A little gimmicky thing on the net. What what the uh, probability is of you dying in the next five years? And for me, it was point three of a percent. 
Based got, on what criteria? Oh, it asks you questions. It asks you uh, questions. Do, uh, do you own a handgun? Do you like cleaning the handgun? Are you a bit careless? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not quite those sorts of questions, but, you know, it asks you about, I don't know, half a dozen questions, not very many, and then it says, it comes out with a with a with an estimate for the, for the uh, probability of you dying within five years from now. Hmm. Um, I'm assuming it's just a random number generator. No, no, it's got an algorithm. I, are you over 112 years old? <laughs> no, that wasn't one of the questions. All right, Ben, look, let's cover a couple of things from WWDC, and that uh, they'll be the end of the international section. Apple, of course, had WWDC. A bunch of things were announced. We won't go into detail because they covered it to death everywhere else but i wanted to pick a couple of things i heard they're uh, going to release a new um product uh actually did they announce any new products i'm just trying to think new hardware uh no they announced ios 9 uh no isn't there's a new thing that yeah that everyone's gonna like oh but that's the case with every apple announcement isn't it that's it that's what you're getting that's what you that's I, what thought, you're no, I thought at. it was just this one. <laughs> this is what I know what you're getting at. So, no, uh, Apple Pay in the UK is, uh, well, Apple Pay comes to the UK, uh, which means you'll be able to uh, use your iPhone with your Touch ID on London Transport and a whole bunch of uh, locations like McDonald's, KFC, Subway, BP, Starbucks, Nando's, etc., etc. So I that's kind of cool. I trust Apple with my money. Really? Don't think so. Really? After what? After the their big dig at Google, you know, making it very clear that Apple doesn't collect your data, making it very clear that that uh, the difference between Apple and, in particularly Google, but also Facebook and some of the other Silicon Valley companies, is that Apple do not make money from your data. They don't want your data. They don't care about your data, and they anonymize everything. Even after that announcement, legally, still don't. Even though they're legally bound to provide that data to the government. Okay, well, obviously there's statutory requirements. I mean, other, other, other than that, like, other than the the providing of information. Yeah, but who's the where's the tra- who's the tra- the distrust with is is what I'm asking you there. If, so what did they say? That's the thing. They said, what did they actually say about your data? They don't they don't well, store they don't, they don't your data. For a start, they don't they collect, don't collect it. They don't collect your data. I mean, obviously, they probably when you sign up to something, they might have some details from you, like you know, you put your name in and so on. But the data you generate after that, and for example, your purchases, your uh, through Apple Pay, um, through iTunes, etc., your the things you watch through the Safari browser, through there's the absolutely iTunes, no chance they're not collecting that. They are hundred percent collecting that. They don't want it. They don't want uh, it. That's not their business. That's what they're saying. I, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. I agree. It's not their business, but they are definitely collecting it. That was, anyway. That They'll was be last saying time. it's for like for improving customer service and customer experience, and to make things like to improve product. They're, they're abs- I mean, they um, Siri Siri records your voice and sends it back to a no, central. N- no, none of it gets. Pro- no, Tim Cook came out on stage and he said everything's done on device. Oh, okay. You made well, that very if, clear. If Tim Cook came out and said it, then, okay, oh, I'm sorry. Ben, you're it such must a be true. You are yeah. such a Oh, no. If someone official tells us something, it must be true. All right. Anyway, that was last week's story. This week's story is uh, WWDC. Uh, so Apple Pay comes to the UK. And the other story I wanted to mention was uh, Apple, I, you know, they've been 
I guess they haven't been leading the maps space at really? all. They I never have been. They've been very amazing. late to it. Hmm? I thought their maps were amazing. Well, uh, they're certainly a lot better than they were. Yes, I know they had that map gate well, yeah. ever years ago that people will never forget about. But what they're trying to do now is something that uh, even Google isn't quite at that point yet, and they've released a, a transit version of their map. So at the mo- if you look at, at the moment, Google's very much focused with driving and uh, roads and, and physical layout. And Apple Maps has that too as well, of course. But what Apple is about to release is a effectively a transit version of the map. Effectively think public transport, you know, connections and lines and stations rather than uh, turn left, turn right, that kind of thing. So that's kind of cool. And they're going to release it. Well, yeah, they're starting with, this is the thing, obviously they have to aggregate information from all the public transport providers, etc. It's a big job. So initially it will be London, New York, San Fran, Chicago and Beijing. I'm sure they're going to add more later. So great for tourists because at the end of the day, when you're a tourist in a city, uh, well, unless you've hired a car, you're not exactly, you don't particularly care about uh, a bird's eye view distance or a, or a, a, a turn-by-turn instruction. All you want to know is how do I get from here to there and do, what bus do I catch? Where do I wait for the bus? What number is it or what metro station or what train platform? So that's kind of cool. Anyway, could those were the if, two... if it works, it'll be cool. Yeah, well, anyway, those are the, just the two things from WWDC I thought were, I don't know, kind of cool, and uh, I thought I'd mention them. Fair enough. All right. Well, anyway, that ends the international section, but right after this, we'll talk about a phone in New Zealand that's been submerged for more than a week and still works. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Now, you may have heard the story. It's been doing the rounds on social media, and, uh, of course, it's been in the in the local... When I say local, I mean New Zealand uh, news sites. A greymouth technician by the name of Andrew McRoberts dropped his Samsung... I think it was an S3 phone into a lake. He was jumping from a boat onto the jetty. The phone dropped into the water. It was two metres down. It was murky, and he couldn't find it. He came back a week later and found it. He pulled it out, and you guessed it, it works. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing, amazing. he found it. It is amazing. It was covered in lake mold, apparently. Yeah. He probably doesn't really want it anymore, I'm guessing. Imagine if it went faster than before and we find out that lake mold's actually a great conductor of data. (laughs) Now you're taking the mickey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. But really, would you, would you have thought that a, a Samsung S3 smartphone would still work after spending a week in the water? Um, really? I mean, come if on. You, if you dried it out properly, and like if you you know if you sort of stuck it in a bowl of rice and let it really dry out properly, oh, potentially as long as um, obviously nothing's corroded enough. The microphone or other parts didn't get damaged, but I think this it's quite impressive. It's as good, long as it's sealed enough that stuff like stuff can't get into it, it'd probably be right. You know, I did wonder, it made me think, uh, are there are similar stories out there? And I found a similar story. This one is even more impressive. An iPhone, I don't know what version it was, but it was an iPhone, had been stuck at the bottom of a lake. You, you won't believe, I couldn't believe this, for six months. 
and six months later, the person retrieves their phone, dries it out, and the phone works. It was obsolete by then, but it still worked. <laughs> That's quite a long time. I know. I found it really hard to – there's screenshots of it. Freshwater. Yeah, I think it was freshwater. I think it was a lake. Mm. Yeah, salt water would just – that would corrode in no time. Yeah, so you should buy an iPhone and see how long – no, you should buy 12 iPhones and put them in water and leave them for one month longer each one and see how long <laughs> they last for. You could do the same with, the, with Samsung and, and see how well they last. Oh, that's a good idea. We could have competition. <laughs> okay, you go that's, buy, yeah, you go yeah, buy but, 12 no, iPhones. No, I'm not buying <laughs> anything. I'm going to get Apple and Samsung to sponsor these phones. Do we have any friends at Samsung and Apple? Oh, do we? What are the chances? <laughs> I think we have a, a friend of Samsung. <laughs> yeah, the chances of them listening is probably a lot lower than the chances of them working there. <laughs> hey, the chances of them listening, even if they were listening, the chances of them sponsoring 12 smartphones <laughs> to try a stupid experiment like that are, are pretty much zero. We should anyway, try ben, and work I, out which one has a higher probability, the chance of them listening versus the chance of us getting sponsored. <laughs> I think I know. The chance of getting of having them listen to the show is a hell of a lot more sponsoring the torture of phones. Well, Anyways, you, can't, you can't influence. It has to be a natural thing. He has to find, he has to just naturally listen to it and then come to us one day saying, hey, I listen to this. <laughs> yeah, and on has, that day, we'll get phones. a sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I'm going to get out of here. I want to thank you very much for co-hosting. <laughs> You're welcome. It's been a, it's been a, a blast, and as usual, a little crazy towards the end. Uh, thank you to our listeners uh, once again, and uh, see you again next time. Until then, have yourselves a fantastic week. Goodbye.